Elvis, 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 Hello and welcome to Elvis has left the movies, a podcast where we will be trying to go through all of the 31 feature films that Elvis Presley starred in throughout his career. Uh, I'm Matt, and I am not on this journey alone, and I'm joined by my co-host, Morgan. Hi there, everybody. My name is Morgan Kegashange. I am an Elvis enthusiast and um, diehard fan. And I'm very excited to be joining my co-host Matt here on this wonderful, wonderful adventure of watching all these movies. So what do we got planned for today? What do we have planned for today? Well, we're going to start where it all began. We're going to start with his first feature film, his film debut in 1956's Love Me Tender, which is the only time that he gets first an introducing credit. And he's also not top billing. He is a supporting actor in this endeavor. From this point forward, he's the star. I mean, everything is built around him. But for this first one, right. they're testing it out. They're like, I don't know. Let's put him in front of the camera. Let's see what happens. Which I wanted to make a note here. Elvis's performance in this film, I really did not think warranted them making another 30 movies with him afterwards. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually of the opinion. I'm, I guess I see we're, gonna, we're already defining our personalities. I'm probably going to be the more generous of the two of us. <laughs> I think you'll be very generous. <laughs> Come on, when, I mean, we're going to just start jumping all over the place, but like when he's all like, Vance, and he like runs over to his brother, <laughs> he's got that puppy dog energy. I, I felt yeah. it. That was believable. He does have that, he does have that puppy dog energy, but believable, I don't know. I think he did a good job with the materials that he had, and I think, I think his performance was totally appropriate for somebody whose major walk in life is being a performing musician. I don't, re- I wasn't like expecting to watch the first Elvis movie and be like, my God, the acting. Yeah. It's amazing. Where's this guy's Oscar? <laughs> yeah, you know, that is fair. it's not about that, but it's like, there's a, and also there's a flavor in his first movie where he's like, he doesn't look comfortable to be on set. You know, he looks he looks like Marilyn Monroe in a movie. You know, she doesn't really want to be in a movie. She wants to be a model in a movie. And Elvis Presley has the same kind of vibe where he's like, I'm not, I don't really want to be an actor, but I want to make a movie. Which is funny you say that because he pre-stardom with the songs and everything. Because we're going to get into his 1956 at some point because this is pretty much the year where like everything boom 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 his first album dropped in march hit single right top of the charts and then first feature film all in one go uh but he no he really wanted to be taken seriously as an actor he used to work as an usher at a theater and he would watch marlon brando and james dean and he would like read the dialogue back to himself so that was his whole goal obviously that's not how this panned out uh, yeah, well, it's a, 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 that makes it sad, really. It, that's really sad because he just did not do a good job of being a good actor. <laughs> well, this was the first time. Let's see if it'll develop as it goes along. <laughs> Spoilers, our audience. It, it didn't. <laughs> I'm just well. well we might it, peak it, early. He got better. We might peak yeah, early. Yeah, he got better. Because I know one film in particular coming up is my favorite. Although, Which one? Well, uh, well, King Creole. Uh, you know, I, I've only watched part of King Creole, so I'm, I'm excited to get to it. My favorite movie with him is um, 
the one where I can't remember the title of it now. I think it's just called The Kid, but he's a boxer. Oh, Kid Kid Galahad. Kid yeah, Kid Galahad. There we go. That's my favorite Elvis movie. So, uh I just wanted also to uh before we get into more meat and potatoes, wanted to say like how like this is such an exciting project for me because I remember being a very little girl and we spent a lot of time with my grandmother and every time we went over you would see all 31 VHSs on a shelf and just be like they're all Elvis movies and so we grew up like watching Elvis movies and Elvis was a big staple in our household um we grew up listening to Elvis our whole life which like I think people find a little odd like how many people do you realistically know who have grown up with Elvis being a major musician in their childhood right yes not that's not my personal experience yeah I don't I don't know most people who who have so it's very exciting for me to finally be able to sit down as an adult uh and be like hey let's talk about the guy of my childhood Elvis Presley I mean he was definitely always in the like the air you know like i would listen to Absolutely. a bunch of it growing up and i was always familiar with his movies but i never actually seen them until once we get here yeah our childhood was like you know how like for, i think a lot of young but well people our age anyway were later millennials i think most people like have listened to elvis and like you know their grandparents would put on maybe motown or something of the 60s 70s eras and of course elvis would eventually make his way through even on country channels when you listen to country channels old country channels they sneak in an elvis every mm -hmm. now and then but our childhood was exclusively elvis every time we got into a vehicle to go to drive somewhere from one city to the next which would take a couple of hours because we lived very remotely every single time we did that we listened to an elvis presley album and we listened to one album going there and then we listened to another album going back so we had elvis presley at least like three or four times a week we would listen to almost a full album so i'm pretty excited to to get into it and start like dissecting his his um actorial debut and the whole thing it's just a it's a really great way to pay homage to the childhood for me so i'm really excited about that. so if you guys if you hear me being like altruistically nostalgic that's why <laughs> in case i have a feeling that if we ever get fans this is our first episode i have a feeling that's where it's gonna go yes perfect fantastic so uh let's talk about elvis let's talk about elvis okay elvis is a guy who looks good and plays the guitar yes okay so a lot of people didn't like this they were real mad because there was there was other artists there was teeny bopper artists they kind of used to call them and bebop kids artists that made music for youths but it was all very like don't you like being a good kid all the time? <laughs> and Elvis came in and was like, I'm going to stick something up your underpants and make it jiggle around. <laughs> like He was really, really out of like left field. And a lot of people hated him. And you're going to start noticing in his movies a theme where he like indirectly deals with that conflict of his audience mm -hmm. where he's like 
I'm not really a schmuck who sleeps around with my really young fans. I'm a nice, gentle guy called Deke Rivers from someplace out in Nebraska. <laughs> you know? It's it's almost like a PR campaign. Yes. So that's my history of Elvis. Matt, you go ahead and let people know what Elvis is more. <laughs> Matt's like the bookend, I guess. I, well, yeah, I'll have, I'm going to be just spewing facts. Give us the stats. Some stats, break it stats? down. Yeah. Well, we haven't, yeah. this whole time we have not also, there's, a, there's, there's the elephant in the room and that elephant is named Colonel Tom Parker, who is his manager. Right. <laughs> and he was like the driving force for this whole endeavor. Like, he would insist... Yeah, so that's stuff I don't know about. Yes, this is why once it, like, calcified, there was an Elvis movie formula. It's because he didn't want to change the formula. He didn't want Elvis to grow as an actor, if he could, uh, because the way they were making money was that they would, you know, insert as many songs into a feature film as they could so they could sell the soundtrack album, and then it would just, like, be this fusion of the... The album would help promote the movie, the movie would help promote the album, and it would just, you know, keep making money. Yeah, I... I think people don't actually realize how integral these movies were to his fame and fortune. Like nobody in this world, I can't think, Chris said this to me, my, uh, my boyfriend Chris said this to me. Imagine today we picked a musician and we just said to them once a year for maybe two decades, you're going to make a movie every single year. Sometimes twice. A year. Sometimes twice. One in yeah. the one in the spring and one in the fall. It's right. Ridiculous. So imagine we took a modern day actor and was like, or a modern day musician rather, and was like, you're gonna make this many movies this many times a year for this many years, and you're gonna sing in almost every single one of them, and that in and of itself is crazy enough. But the real wild thing about it is that those movies did support and buttress his income and his. Uh, claim to fame and it did create an outreach program almost for fans to just consume his content for sure which is which is really incredible because i can't think of anyone else who's ever fucking done that it's true oh excuse my language (laughs) (laughs) it was gonna happen eventually it's fine yeah we're all adults here we're all listening to elvis (laughs) he wasn't squeaky clean we just established that so yeah why should this come for the Come for the Elvis, stay for the drugs. <laughs> it's rock and roll, baby. Which is really funny considering that you're doing this podcast from your washroom on your toilet. Okay. Throw like, me under I the bus. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just, just saying. Peel back the curtain. There <laughs> there's no secrets yeah, here. That- we, we, we at uh, Elvis is Less the Movies are all about transparency. And so if you must know, audience, prospective audience. <laughs> I am set up in my bathroom because, you know, acoustics. The acoustics but that's an ex- are better. Sure, acoustics- yeah. Is that an excuse? Maybe. Always for the acoustics. Maybe he just wants to be on the throne while he's talking about Elvis. Talking about the, the king. king. There you go. You brought it all around. Gotta be on the that's throne. T- I, I personally feel bad that I'm not on a toilet right now. Like, I've, that makes me feel ashamed of myself. I think we should continue on this topic for another 20 minutes, but I think we're also <laughs> yeah. going to move along. Let's get into the movie. Let's 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 do yes. that thing. <laughs> it's a thing we will be doing eventually in all these podcasts. Is getting okay. Each episode we're going to do a movie. Give us, give us the synopsis of the movie, Matt. What happens to Elvis in this movie? Okay, so it is just after. Well, let, no, no, let me break it down. Let me throw some facts. Okay. So this is Love Me Tender, nineteen fifty six. Uh, although he had signed a contract with Paramount first, 
It was a kind of contract where they would allow him to make a movie for another studio, if need be. And since they didn't have anything at Paramount at the time, they loaned him out to 20th Century Fox. And so this first movie is 20th Century Fox. And it is about the Reno brothers, who are an actual gang. So this is the only time also that technically Elvis has played a historical figure. Although this is like very you know, artistically licensed. They took a lot of liberties. I don't know if there was a, a, a brother named Clint, like, <laughs> or a Vance, a Vance Reno, but there were a Reno brothers and they were like thieves that stole some Confederate money. Uh, or no, wait, they were part of the Confederates? I've already forgotten. But the point is... Yes, they were part of the Confederates yes. and they stole money from the good guys and then the good guys won the war. So it was no longer um, a wartime effort to take this money. It was a crime. It was considered a crime. Correct. For them to keep the money. So We open in April 10th, 1865. Also, I just wanted to point out the costumes are no es bueno for 1865. <laughs> Um, just, just want to throw that no, no, out there. Go ahead. I know we're not expecting anything perfect for Elvis movies, but it's just going to get um, worse as they go along and they become yeah, less and less worse. reality. There, I think I have a note here on Charo, his cowboy movie where it says the cowboy's clothes look too fresh. So there's been like a consistent issue with costuming. Although I will you can say apply that to most some, Westerns though, I would say. Yeah. And, and for Christ's sake, you're making like 31 movies. You know, you're not going to have perfect costumings in all of them. But in in historical period movies in general, it's always glaringly obvious when they've made a boo-boo. And the big boo-boo of this movie with regards to the wardrobe is the silhouettes of the dresses are incorrect. The women do not wear shawls or bonnets when they're outside. And there is no transition from day wear to evening wear, which would be considered typical because they're in a farm, like they live in a farmstead. Mm -hmm. So they're very rural. So they may not have... There's no reason for them to wear evening wear, but there's also a fair and the dresses from that period, you can tell the cut and the shape is a 1950s silhouette, kind of tried to disguise as an 1850s, uh, 1860s silhouette. So just so you guys know, the costumes are bad. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. Nailed them. Yeah, They're never going to recover from that. I got that. you. I saw that they were like 1865 and I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> they did not do me like they just did. You know, like I think for those of you, I'm assuming if you're watching this podcast, it's because you like movies generally already. So think Gone with the Wind and what the shape of the dresses looked like, how huge and voluminous they were. That's set in the same time period as this movie of Elvis. Correct. And there's none of that attention to detail one could also argue gone with the wind had a much more extravagant budget and yeah had a i was just gonna say that way bigger budget but still there are things that you can do you know maybe not wearing your 1950s new look dress mm, with its mm, full mm. skirt is probably one of them but you know how it is i do know how it is they were making a movie they had <laughs> elvis that's all they needed they figured because this would have been a straight up b movie like b picture it but once is Elvis, a straight up B movie. It's like, slightly elevated. Once Elvis joined, I think they, they threw in a little more money at it. And obviously they wrote in songs. Yeah. But otherwise, like, yeah, the plot and the whole way it, it's filmed and the way it goes down is pretty much par for the course. Yes. This kind of thing. Okay, so that's my shtick about the costuming. We'll get back to what's what the movie is 
is on about. Sure. Actually, I'm also, before we continue further into the plot, I'm going to talk about his co-star, since he is not the star of this movie. Right. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to the man who is the barrel-chested, square-jawed uh, Richard Egan, a very classic man's man looking dude, like a Charlton Heston-esque. He's very handsome. Like, And you know what's handsome about him, really, is his voice. Like, He's got a good voice. He had such a he had like a velvety kind of voice and like i think that's why elvis didn't look as great in this movie like elvis looked like a total teeny bopper baby boy next to this guy he's the he's the baby brother he's the youngest of the renos and so yeah he's like i don't know maybe it's also (laughs) for me i think it's elvis's face elvis's face does not look like he belongs to any one state you could put Elvis anywhere in America and he would not look like he's from that state. So it's a hard sell to put him in a movie where he's from the South. Right. But he's paired up against this brown haired buff guy and he's sleek and black haired and small. You know, it's a really, I don't know. Just wanted to throw that yeah, out there. I would never, I don't believe that any of those people are brothers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Don't see no, much resemblance. What a family. True. But his co-star did an amazing job. Like Yeah, because he he's leading the picture. He's before we actually yeah, we don't get to Elvis in this Elvis movie while well, this premiere until eighteen minutes into the film. Yeah, it's a long time before we see And Elvis. this is a ninety minute movie. Right. Which you'll probably hear me sing the praise of often because look, I love one of my favorite movies is Lawrence of Arabia. But there's something to be said about a nice tight in and out with credits in ninety minutes. That's just mm, yes. good stuff. God, now I just I want to talk about Lawrence of Arabia because <laughs> yeah, what, what are we doing? We should yeah, just... Elvis is fun. But... <laughs> so, um, so Elvis is the brother to the Reno brothers. Uh, the co-stars we we're talking about. There's also um, who's the lead female? The lead female is Deborah Paget. She's still alive and kicking at 87, by the way. Wow, holy jeez. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Paget, who actually, going back to Richard Egan, one quick second, I just want to mention yep. probably the only other notable thing that I saw in his filmography that jumped out at me was that before Frank Miller wrote his 300 comic and then that was made into a movie by Zack Snyder, there was a 1962 movie called The 300 Spartans that told the same story and Richard Egan played King Leonidas. Huh. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. That's really interesting. That's what I'm here cool, for. That's, that's the IMDb yeah. Times. Uh, but Deborah, Deborah Paget, <laughs> she, the same year that this came out, uh, 1956, she was in The Ten Commandments. Oh. Which was released a month prior. She played Lilia. She was like a handmaiden or something to someone in that movie. There's so many people and so many characters in that film. But yeah. So yeah. She had a good 1956 between that and this. Damn. These are both big hits at the box office. Pretty decent. Must be nice, eh? And yeah, she does a fine job. Like everyone in here is fine. I think, yeah, I think everyone except Elvis is fine in this movie. I think they did a good job. I think Elvis tried his best. Sure. Sweet boy. I think he did do his best. This is some, considering this is like your first thing, this is pretty ambitious material, I would say, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's the. He kind of jumped into the deep end. So that's, there's that. Yeah. Right. He, He has got the fish out of water look. And like you said, too, like there's a guarantee there's some push and pull with regards to his manager and how that's going to stifle his ability to do what he wants to do as an actor. So, you know, for people who are listening, like I have no qualms about shitting all over Elvis, but, you know, just take that with a grain of salt because there's more layers working on 
the psyche that is Elvis oh, yes. acting than uh, than just what's at face value, which is really interesting. I think that's really interesting. It is. This is good fodder for a podcast. So I would like to talk about some of the cultural aspects of Elvis Presley's career, because uh, I think that's also interesting. And there's definitely going to be some more pointed conversation about this in later films. Absolutely. Oh, my God. When he perhaps plays an ethnicity that he is not. But we'll get to that when we yeah. get to that. That's a whole other okay. conversation to be had later. <laughs> oh, God. So for those people who know of Elvis you either love him or you hate him and I've very rarely found somebody who's in between like people who are in between are people who are like I think I've heard like two Elvis songs before in my life and I have no idea who he is right which is crazy that people like that exist that now yeah. but anyway you know moving on the point is you either love him or you hate him because he's had a long-standing role in um certain niche social hierarchies as a really great outstanding different on the edge kind of musician away from the light and fame of being a good kid you had something a little edgier right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that people of certain social groups really connected with but on the other hand all of that manner and that style of music and that voice came from black people a lot of it came from black communities, black artists. Lead Belly was consistently like uh, Elvis took songs from Lead Belly, which is a, a blues musician from the 1930s, I think. And he just basically appropriated a lot of black culture to make it acceptable for mainstream consumption, mm-hmm. which probably was also why a lot of parents didn't like him. You know, nobody liked the idea of black culture creeping into their teenage daughter's bedroom you know through the radio waves or whatever for sure so he's got a lot of contentious stuff floating around him let's like put it like that sure um but i've also always found that like when i meet people who are really into elvis as much as i am i'm indigenous and indigenous people really associate with black culture in music So when music started becoming accessible to Indigenous people through radios and through televisions and and through things like that and records, you were listening to either Motown, Elvis Presley, of course, the one and only, oh gosh, we love him. What's his name? You, you know who I'm talking about, Matt. I know you know who I'm talking about. I probably he's do. He's that guy. He's, he's Elvis, but he's older and he's darker. He's Johnny Cash. <laughs> so, there we go. So we love Elvis, Johnny Cash, Motown, and rock. Like rock music. Old rock music yes. is, is, is our big thing. Like uh, Jimi Hendrix and, and think uh, Janis Joplin and stuff like that. Because that was where indigenous voices were starting to come into music was in those genres and they were starting to make their claim to fame there. So a lot of a lot of indigenous people listen to Elvis, to Johnny Cash, to that style of music and it's become synonymous with um, what we think of when we think of classic music for indigenous people. We think of that strange Motowny mix of white appropriated blackness. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there and how interesting it is that Elvis in his debut movie 
plays a young boy who's for the South. <laughs> There's, uh... oh, yeah, so many things to unpack. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there. You can uh, run with that, what you will. <laughs> I mean, you've pretty much said what needs to be said for now about that, I guess. Yeah. It is what it is. Pretty much. We'll get into it more through the other movies. We're going to totally dissect Elvis on every level. Oh, yes. You know, this is just this is just the first podcast. Picture Elvis in the doctor's room, you know, getting briefed on his procedure. That's the stage that we're at. We'll go into full dissection <laughs> in like maybe like 10 episodes. Yeah, if you were hoping for life, lovey, fun times, watch out. You're not going to get it, man. And I think there's more to it. I think that's absolutely what needs to happen in an Elvis podcast because his whole visage was that he was this star, this outgoing personality, this really grand kind of guy with the costumes and the music and the shows and the movies. But there were some darker, insidious things in his lifestyle that kind of gave rise to a character hidden away from the light elvis was the bad boy you know <laughs> yes he was though he was at you know we look at that and we laugh now but at the time elvis was considered immoral <laughs> this is true so to see him in 31 movies where he just sits around and says i'm not really that immoral guys i'm a good guy I'm just i voted for the south <laughs> happy go lucky <laughs> yeah so yeah, I'll, okay. we'll dive back into the plot of the movie. We will quickly yes. go through this just so. <laughs> so we start, it's April 10th, 1865. And right as the war finishes, there's literally a dude who goes, the war is over. And he starts playing a harmonica. And then <laughs> just hard cut immediately, a fight breaks out. Our boys, led by Vance and his gang, they come in, they just kill all these dudes and or capture all these dudes. They steal some money. And they make off with it, and then they try to, like, meet back up with their commanding officers and stuff. And they're like, oh, I can't find them. What's going on? And on, so they're like, let's head back home. And on their way home, they bump into some old man. The classic old man was like, didn't you hear? The war's over. And then yeah. they're like, what? Oh, also, everyone thought you were dead. <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone thought you died. Uh, yeah. And so, of course, they they return home. They've got to figure out. You know, what are they going to do about this money? Mm-hmm, and they all mm-hmm. decide to keep it. They are splitting up evenly between their gang members. Yep. Hide, hide it away, spend it wisely, you know, little by little yep. to try to not draw attention. That's that's the plan. So they, uh, let's see, Clint Reno is Elvis Presley, but his brother Vance Reno Vance. returns home, returns home to the farmstead to his sweet woman that he's loved for all time he's got the locket he's got the picture in it he's like i can't wait to get back to kathy oh boy talking about her the whole time blah 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 and then he gets there and of course she's married to his brother surprise she's married to elvis since he was presumed dead someone had to step up and old clint said oh we got married uh it'll be me right so they're married uh elvis presley loves the girl she's real sad because she likes Elvis, but she still loves Elvis's big brother. And so there's drama. She's torn up about that. And then the the Popo show up and they're like, we heard you have money and you're going to give it to us. And the brother is like, I'm just going to leave because I can't stand watching 
the guy the gal that i love like screw my brother i think that's really messed up so i'm gonna go and he tries to leave and then i can't remember what happens yeah the exact halfway point is government shows up and they're like where's the money we know you have it and they're like no we don't we don't know what you're talking about uh yeah so oh oh i remember yes they're like if you bring the money back to us we'll let you go yes we won't charge you or anything because it it could be seen as a misunderstanding. Just come clean. You know, you didn't know that the war was over. It's fine. Yeah. It was some, but his buddies don't want to, of course, his buddies are concerned that they're, that he's pulling a a trick on them and is going to take all their money and get them arrested Mm -hmm. and take off. And, um, they try to spin it that his girlfriend and his brother are in cahoots together. Yes. They convince, uh, Clint Elvis's character that, that Vance is no good. He's taking Kathy for himself and all the money, and he's he's running away with it. And boy, does he that flip a switch? Uh, yeah. Then he roughs up his fucking wife. Clint a goes bit. psycho. Do you remember that yeah, part? this is some bad yeah. bad dude. Yeah, and this is by the way, we, maybe we should do trigger warnings for this, like legitimately, because there's a lot of movies where Elvis beats up a lady. There's a lot. I've I've watched like I think five or six movies and almost half of them have Elvis, you know, pushing or shoving or yes. slapping or spanking some. The fifties and sixties were a time of like these are our comedies yeah. for all ages, most like ostensibly, but they were you know bad. Yeah. I, also, I just want to take a quick moment to point out if any of you are considering watching this movie, you know, brace yourselves because it's it's difficult to see just how often all men in all of these movies continually had their hands all over the women mm, all mm-hmm, over them mm-hmm. there and not in a mean crude sexual way but in a, in a different time it was appropriate to put your hand on a woman's back to escort her through the building or, or whatever like you just they always were touching them and i find that really bizarre to see interesting but like just prepare yourself for seeing the world of the 1950s and 60s like through a pair of cynical eyes sure because it's interesting (laughs) it certainly is yeah so elvis uh roughs up his wife a little bit and then there's some good horseback riding choreography (laughs) at one point so at one point vance is like all right i'm gonna come clean so he's being escorted He, he goes with the uh government folks onto a train they're going to escort him to a town or whatever to sort all this out they're going to take him aren't they going to take him to yuma they might oh yeah they might be taking him to Yuma. i think they take i think that was uh what they were saying but we can maybe every episode we'll throw in a recommendation for a movie that's not this movie and if you want to watch a good movie you watch 310 to yuma yes watch 310 to yuma <laughs> both the original and the remake yeah are both solid yeah, solid the remake's okay the remake's okay i watched it recently and there are some things that don't hold up, but there are some really great, some really great stuff. The ending scene still, mm. with the the chase. I I was shocked. I saw it again. I was like, oh my god. What? And it has a really good score anyway, from what I remember. There's like a really good, some good music in there. Anyways. Yeah, really, really good scoring. They're maybe taking him to Yuma. So... They're doing something. And then his, his, his gang breaks him out. And actually, yes, yeah, so that was right before. And then the, the paranoia sets in where they start spinning the tail and they're turning against each other. We'll just jump to the climax. So this all <laughs> comes to a head in this little rocky quarry area. Where Elvis's big brother used to take him to learn how to hunt and learn yes, how to camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the scene of their childhood. It's real heart-wrenching stuff. The melodrama is is at, at an 11. It's, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Yeah. So Kathy's there. She's been hiding out. And then everyone shows up. We got the whole 
group there, and there's a, a, a shootout, and Clint shoots Vance in the shoulder. Small aside. That was like a legitimate squib. So when he gets shot, there's like a little, for those who don't know the terminology, that's like a little blood packet with like a little explosion. In old movies, that's how they did gunshots all the time. So it was just like a, and you would see the actual, it would look like a little spurt of blood and an explosion. And that was actually a really early usage of a squib, which is interesting. Cool. Because I think the only, the first recorded one was like the year before for a certain Polish movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a little factoid, just throwing it out there. Uh, But anyways, he gets shot, and and then Clint's like, oh, God, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, Vance, and he runs over. uh, And the other gang members were, you know, trying to root uh, Vance's body for the the gold or something or other. Like, he's got the money on him. It was Bill's. Uh, They shoot Clint. Clint goes down. I would say his his fall, a pretty legit-looking stunt fall. Like, he looks like he hits pretty hard, and that's that's Elvis actually doing it. You can see it's his face. Yeah, he commits. That's why I, I will give Elvis that in all of these movies so that I've seen so far. Yes, we may change our tune later. For now, he's a go-getter. Apparently, he arrived on set the first day of shooting, and he had actually memorized both all, all his lines and everyone else's dialogue. Uh, like, he's one of those guys that, like, was really... So maybe, yeah, overeager, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, he goes down, and where's it? we have this really... <laughs> There's this death scene. He's, he's in Kathy's arms. And then... Uh, yeah, the death scene is really great. <laughs> Richard Egan's like, it's going to be okay. Does, it, does he not literally go... Uh, uh, Pretty much. His like, final... <laughs> like he... His last breath is very much in that vein. And just his head uh, rolls back. And he's he's gone. Um, yeah, it was great. And then we have a funeral scene. And then we have a big Elvis, a superimposed Elvis face. Big head comes in. And that was actually... <laughs> yeah. uh, they resho- That was a reshoot. Or at least just that bit. So... The initial cut didn't have that, and they screened it, and of course the audience was like, "What? That sucked. He's dead. Don't kill Elvis." Yeah. And so to have a, they wanted to keep that, but as a compromise, they 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 brought Elvis back in the studio to just do a quick recording him singing a song, which we haven't even talked about the music yet. We're going to do that next. Right. So he sings the title song of "Love Me Tender." It's a reprise, and then uh, yeah, he's he's superimposed over the funeral scene in his head floating around there and then uh just the end pops up and then boom we're done that's it yeah so elvis dies in his first movie which i think is actually kind of um symbolic of his acting career it's a pretty ballsy move i'll say (laughs) he does his best he struggles and he tries really hard and in the end he just fucking dies there you go (laughs) i think that's sums up elvis's (laughs) career honestly you know he did his best he did his best that's all we can ask I guess. Yeah. Let's talk about music. So this is the first movie. Um, we're going to get like crazy soundtracks as we go along. But for this first film, so because originally this was going to be a straight Western, it was actually originally titled The Reno Brothers. Oh. And then in advance of the movie coming out, uh, the single of Love Me Tender went like triple, quadruple platinum. So they're like, hey, let's just retitle the movie Love Me Tender and really cash in. I bet that was a really hard sell. I bet that um, the main role for this movie... Uh, Vance Reno, mm-hmm. the guy that played that. I bet he was not happy. It's very probable. I there's just there's something about the idea that if I was the main player in a movie, and then they retitled that movie after my co-actor's uh, new hit single. Counterpoint: You signed up for a movie knowing that you're co-starring with Elvis, and this is his big debut. You kind of almost expect that they're gonna pull some stuff like this. True. Yeah. Hollywood back then was so fucking sketchy. It's the studio system still. Like I said, he had a contract with Paramount. So the next movies coming up are going to be Paramount films with a few here and there. But yeah, back to the music. There are four tracks, four songs in this. 
the first one, so after the initial reunion uh, with Vance and Kathy and then finding out about, oh, he's Mary Clint, we have like this nice little nighttime scene where the family's out on the porch and uh, Clint takes out his guitar and starts singing a song. He sings a song called We're Gonna Move mm-hmm. about there being a hole in the roof and the roof leaks, and but they're gonna move and get a new house. And it's, it's a fun little ditty. It's very upbeat. I'd also like to make a point in this movie, just to talk briefly. It's a dig. Like, prepared. It's oh, no. Go ahead. Um, the scene transitions from... You can tell they didn't know what they were going to do. Mm. From getting movie, uh, getting Elvis acting in a movie with other people and other characters and in a set to filming him playing music, they were like, well, let's just let's just make a stage for Elvis to play on and put him on the stage and he can play the music and we'll just take a video of that. And they didn't uh, put a lot of like thought into like how that was actually going to incorporate into the film. There's more of that as it goes on into his other movies, but like this one, it was really striking. They were like, Elvis is a cowboy. Elvis is a cowboy. Elvis is a cowboy. Elvis is a musician. Elvis is Elvis Presley, the singer. Yeah. Elvis is a cowboy. It is yeah. very much, yeah, they, they right? shoehorned in these sequences because that's exactly how it was. It was just a straight script and then it became an Elvis movie vehicle script. Yeah. And so they're like, well, oh, yeah. let's write in a few sequences where we just completely stop the movie dead and have them sing some songs in their entirety, the full song. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that they brought him into the studio and got him to sing these songs separately and then like just cut them into the movie in a certain kind of way. The only scene that they they wouldn't have been able to do that in is the one where he's playing at the uh, fair. Yes. All of the other songs, it's just him and his guitar alone. Like he's playing in front of people, but they're not included in the scene. Yes. There's a lot of shots of just him yeah, I wouldn't be surprised thing. if they took all the actors and were like, all right, first thing we're going to do, we're going to knock out these songs and then we're just going to do the acting and then the editor will take care of trying to figure out mm-hmm. where we're going to put all these songs. They do They do two of them on the porch that night. They do We're Going to Move and then the title track, Love Me Tender. Yep. Which is all, this was Kathy's favorite. Yep. And then that's, that's when, when the tension when the... starts ramping up. Uh-oh. Yes. Yeah. And then Kathy gets sad because she still loves her husband right. that she didn't marry and and then she's and and she's like, I still love you, and I know you love me too, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then it's uh, I guess let me at the fair. And followed by poor boy, yeah, he does two more back to back at the fair. There's a fairground. There's like little teeny boppers in the audience. Like it's just straight up like it's an Elvis concert in the middle of this Civil War movie. Just yeah. That was really apparent. That's when it became also really apparent that they had just like given up on the costuming. No one was wearing a bonnet. No No one was wearing gloves. No one was wearing a shawl. Everybody was wearing a 1950s new look dress. Like they were all wearing like heels, like the skirts and the hemlines were all above their ankles, which is totally inappropriate at the time. Like I just completely out to window. This is just the full Hollywood of it all. Yeah. Like, it's harder, it's easier to make do with male costumes because male costumes, the silhouette and the form has changed over the years. But for the most part, you can take a suit and kind of mishmash your way into a Confederacy uniform and call it a day. But you really can't do it with women's dresses and women's clothing. So that's when it became really apparent. For sure. They just gave up. (laughs) They just didn't give a shit. That's, there it is. Pretty, I'm pretty sure at one point, I think the wife was wearing pants. 
Yeah, they like get her out of her britches. She's, yeah, she's do- she's not gonna be working on the farm and then yeah, because I'm back. The man is back here and he's gonna yeah. do the work. Women wouldn't have been wearing britches at that point. Like even if they were working in the field, I'm pretty sure they would not have been wearing britches. I don't doubt it. That that makes sense to me. I'm almost a hundred percent certain. Don't quote me, but I'm a hundred percent certain that that would have been completely inappropriate. Women did not wear britches. You suffered. They're, why would they put you in a fucking corset if they were going to put you in some britches? You know, and women had to wear corsets. It was a yes staple to the the thing uh, the stuff. Well, anyway, <laughs> yes. As much as we are going to do, <laughs> that'll happen a lot. Yes. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> this is good. That's why you've got you're bringing in that content. Yes. I cannot speak on any of that. So that is all you have at it. Go off. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> so, uh, what is your favorite song from this Elvis movie? Uh, like I said, I have a soft spot for the We're Gonna Move, that first track, like the, the cadence of it. It's like a classic, you know, like folk tune feel to it, almost like a nursery rhyme. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's delightful. Nice. The other ones are fine too. Like these are all fine songs. Yeah. There's not like a stinker in the bunch. I'm I'm sticking with Love Me Tender. Uh, That's fair. Like fucking classic. It's the ballad. It's the big, it's the you big know. one. Every time Love Me Tender comes, we're not like, <laughs> I'm not allowed to listen to Elvis really like in my household because my boyfriend hates Elvis, just hates him to death. <laughs> and um, I'm pushing it with the movies, honestly. <laughs> like, when I put on a movie and we start doing the Elvis movie, he's just, he's not happy. He's And, like, a lot of what he says is going to funnel into this content. That's why I'm a little harsh on Elvis. But Because some, some of the stuff he says is just real funny, man. He's the spiritual third host. Of yes, this. absolutely. <laughs> Shout out is. to Chris. Shout out to Chris, who hates Elvis and is lovingly putting up with my need to watch all 31 of his movies. Indeed. Yeah. So my favorite is Love Me Tender. It's hard not to belt it out when it comes on for me. For sure. Takes a lot. Takes a lot of self-control. I'm going to throw in a few more IMDb factoid things. going to throw in. Let's do it. Uh, so I don't have much on the director of this, Robert D. Webb. Uh, so that, that's all I got to say. That's the director of this movie. Didn't do much. Nothing particularly noteworthy. Uh, but the cinematographer of this film, and this looks pretty nice. This is some nice, I love it does. classic black and white cinematography. All the blocking when the gang's on their horses at the beginning and they're having conversations, like the way that they frame all the people, mm-hmm. gave me some high noon vibes. It's really nicely done. Yep. You're going to notice, I've watched a few movies ahead and I can definitely say you're going to notice some great cinematography for any shot that has fucking horses in it. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know what it is. I think maybe people were just maybe more accustomed to working with horses generally maybe back in the day. Oh, yeah. Because there's something about the way people film people riding horses in these movies that is just like effortlessly good like the rest of the movie will be kind of a write-off and they'll be like and now here's seven beautiful scenes of people perfectly executing good horseback riding techniques <laughs> it's true it's true this was like peak hollywood westerns the 50s and stuff so yeah. like they were just they had it down to a t and there's just and this is, has that really nice cinema scope like widescreen so they really fill the frame and stuff which is nice yeah I will say, though, about that, though, that there are some shots that you just cannot see these poor fucking actors. You can't see them because the, it's so pulled out. Yes. 
and like in the first scene where you're meeting all of the guys from the um the little group who are gonna rob everybody <laughs> uh vance's crew there you can't fucking tell any of them apart from one another it was like halfway through the movie before i could even designate the different face of one group member from another this is true <laughs> that's not good <laughs> they i mean it is really we have the three our three main characters and this is one of those yeah the side characters like whatever even though yeah he's got this whole gang we don't really learn any other names or there's not much to be said about you can tell also like i i guess it maybe it's like on the this falls on the director but like there's a sense here that he doesn't know how to introduce a character to a scene sure in all of the scenes where they meet somebody new or important you know even the first meeting of the main characters you there's not a close-up of their face which is not necessarily a given for good character introduction but that there isn't any close-up almost of any character's facial expression or like who they are it almost gives you a sense like you can't see who's doing what to who throughout the movie because they're just so ambiguous about showing you who's doing what with a close-up. This close is true, up, yeah. Right? Now that you I, bring it up, yeah, there's maybe not even a single close-up. I don't think there just is. like a clo- like really framing in on a face. Yeah, it's really, e- they keep it medium or wide. Yeah, even Elvis's death scene, even when Elvis dies, it's a it's a full body medium shot. Because you want to include right? everyone else even though it should be right on him. <laughs> the only close-up is Elvis's face floating above his grave digging site. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the only close-up. And that reshoot. Which, I think there was a medium close-up of the, the husband and wife who didn't get married to each other they they had a bit of a medium close-up but all of the scenes that were like emotionally charged that could have really benefited from you know seeing their faces was just none of it and i think that's probably as a result of the director not being able to like pull his weight that's fair but the cinematography right does make up for it in a lot of areas like the blocking makes up for it the framing makes up for it and that man going full circle we did it we're going back yeah that man the cinematographer leo tover was also the cinematographer on one of my favorite 50s sci-fi movies the day the earth was still from 1951 uh, which is a really good movie another recommendation i still haven't watched that a day, the day the earth was still. unlike 310 to yuma i can say for a fact that the remake is not worth watching <laughs> good perfect um i love you keanu but no yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i love a keanu but no so, are there any major points that you want to get to with regards to Elvis's first movie, Love Me Tender? That we haven't already hit? Uh, oh, wait, I did want to give a shout out. I'm At least for the first, because I've watched the first few films, at least one or two. And I want to uh, throw in a little shout out to my favorite side character. Because there are, even though we just said that they're like nothing characters, there is a fun side character in Jethro. I can't quite. He's like put the a face to He's it the in. older gent. He's a he's a classic. Like you could look at that guy and you're like, oh, this dude is a character actor. Oh yeah, he's he, he's the guy in the barn. Yes, there's because there is. We didn't. I mean, we're not gonna get to every detail, yeah. but there is some shenanigans where the the. I'm old man he's Jethro, old man and Jethro. I've got on my overalls, <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if a button popped off right now and showed you a little bit of something something. Anyway, the police are here, and I gotta get your husband gone. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. the Vance's share of the money is hidden in the barn, and so there's this whole sequence where Kathy's like, "Jeffro, go out and get to the barn and get the money for me. Bring it to me, and I'll bring it to Vance." It's like <laughs> a bunch of steps. Uh, but Jethro is played by Paul E. Burns, 
He's uncredited in this movie, but he he is the guy who played Jethro, and he has 259 acting credits on his IMDb. Holy Jesus. He was just one of those always working actors, always popping up in bit parts. He did six movies in 1956 alone. Wow, that's crazy. So freaking shout out to uh, Paul E. Burns as Jethro, who's delightful. Yeah, shout out to Jethro. Um, I don't think, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about today's Elvis movie. I think I could go on for a long, long time, but I think maybe I shouldn't. That's fair. I mean, we, we could definitely save some for some, some future installments. Yeah. I, so um, end credits. Thank you, everybody who is listening to this podcast. Uh, bless you for making it to the end. Uh, yeah. We're, this was we're... all over the place. This was the first episode. You know how it goes. Yeah. So um, if you would like to continue, <laughs> we would like you to continue. And uh, if you have anything to say about any Elvis movies, you can comment on this podcast somewhere. I don't know where it's being hosted. Thinking Spotify. I'm or throwing that out there, probably. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's places. You'll be able to find it someday. Of course. Who knows? We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us, and uh, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that that's our sign-off? <laughs> We're not going to do a cheesy uh, thank you, thank you very much? Oh, we should. We absolutely should. Might as well. Okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. <laughs> All right. Elvis has left the theaters. The movies. The movies. I was close. <laughs> that's good enough. That's it. Okay.